Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And a big shout-out to our newest patron, Mike. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining. Thank you so much for signing up and showing your support to us. We appreciate it so much. And being a fan, by the way, I saw your comment all the way back before our very first episode of Talking what? with Shadows. Man, you you are an OG to the podcast for sure. <laughs> like back whenever we were still trying to figure out what we were going to do with the podcast. So <laughs> ninety nine episodes uh, later, we're still we're still trucking along, and people that, are still listening. That is right, our friends. Our next episode is our one hundredth. We're putting something special together mm-hmm. for you, but I've got yeah. some bad news first. Sadly, I am going on vacation. For the- Marcus <laughs> is abandoning us. I'm sorry for it's warmer, greener I'm, pastures. I'm the one that edits the episode, so of course I'm going to be I'm going to be on vacation in Gatlinburg, uh, and so so we're not going to be able to get an episode for the first two weeks of March. But I recommend but, everyone to show up in Gatlinburg and harass I know, him. I know, but we're going to be we're going to be back after that with our 100th episode. And it's I'm, going to be extra long, extra yeah, cool and fun. So we'll, we'll make some more posts on social media about like what we're looking to do with it, but it's going to be fun. We're going to do some reflection back on us as the podcast as the channel itself. And we want to answer a lot of questions yeah. and discuss like the sort of things you guys want to. So if you yeah. have something you want us to discuss in that episode, yeah. please drop it this, below. This is your opportunity. Put your comments below questions. You want to ask us, uh, just, uh, you know, just as paranormal investigators, for the channel, the podcast, just questions of the paranormal. We we would love to answer your guys' questions during that episode. So we're also going to pick that. a few topics we find really interesting mm-hmm. we haven't talked so, about before. So we can't we can't wait for that. And God, I'm going on actually going on eight years. Now I'm thinking nine. Wait, wait, really that on. long? Hang on. I don't. I don't. Marcus does, does it. Mark. Marcus does math. 2014. Eight. <laughs> okay, there there we go. There you go. That you, sounds more right. You can now see why we're <laughs> paranormal investigators and not math teachers. Speaking <laughs> of you, there's something I want to talk about. Who cursed you? Who freaking you cursed you? you every time, that. every time we go to Dunkin' Donuts, when I go by myself, my order is perfect. It's exactly what I want, and we have no problems. Every time I go with Marcus, the order's wrong. There's miscommunications. There's issues with the pricing and stuff. Someone cursed you. Whoever it is, apologize. No, 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 no. I just... Apologize. I want my order correct. So I'm about to let you know something now. I've actually become a master of subliminal messaging. Um, and you're telling them to screw up my order? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, I can do it without you really catching up. But like, yeah, can I get uh, some hummus? Leave out the tomatoes toast. Uh, oh, I was so <laughs> mad this morning. Uh, I, I like Dunkin' Donuts. I really like their coffee. And they usually have like very healthy breakfast foods. Mm-hmm. So I went and got the hummus toast with the sun-dried tomatoes on it. And I get it. And it's missing the best part. The sun-dried tomatoes. And I was just like, what? How'd that happen? I have no idea. Whatever is going on, fix it. Yep. Fix it 10 minutes ago. Can I please get a large iced coffee with sugar instead of sweet and low? <laughs> <laughs> please. I 
he's like, this just tastes different today. I, I have no idea. Oh my God. I have no idea, Vic. You better not be doing this on purpose. If <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't check out our last episode, our, our last our, our last episode, we talked about the Mandela effect, which we talked about before uh, in relation to some other episodes, but never really spent a whole episode on it. And it's really, really, really interesting. This whole episode, this whole thing of people. Um, Believing that to it's two people sitting in a room, one believing that they've a, a particular small detail about certain things, and then come to find out that that detail was inaccurate, like whether or not if the Monopoly guy has a monocle or not. Fun fact, he does not. Uh, all the way up to much more extreme examples of the Mandela effect, such as the tank man in the, in the Tiananmen Square photo of what happened to him. Was he rolled over? Was he shot? Does he disappear? What happens? Is he carried away by a guy with a bike? That's what I recall, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. So, but absolutely go check that episode out. It was really interesting. Uh, me and I mean, me and uh, me, me, me and uh, Vic get into it for a little bit. So it's 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 pretty good. Uh, Dan Ward, super patron, says uh, I feel like the spirited away bit could be uh, could be groupthink and bandwagoning, and we have a tendency to jump on things like this all the time. It's certainly possible. Like I'm not above the idea that. Things could be that, but the way that they evolved in the timeline seems very peculiar. As in, like, it violates some of the things that we normally associate with groupthink. Although, one of the things we do associate with groupthink is that it needs to remain cultural and something that, uh, or remain within cultures. So, one of the things that would be a perk in that, that's something that only occurs, to the best of my knowledge, in Japanese people. Like, it, it, this uh, storyline, uh, this Mandela effect does not occur in the Western world, to the best of my knowledge. It's just something that was reported by people who had watched it on TV in Japan. Well, the thing was, was I, I did a little bit more research onto, and I, and I'm, why can I not remember this lady's name? It was the sign. It was the, it's the researcher that talks a lot about memory that all of these like um, defense attorneys and a lot of criminal attorneys call up to talk about the 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 deficits in like in human like in human perception, and she talks a lot about presuppositions in. Your questioning of people and how that can affect memory, like saying the phrase "Did you see a stop sign?" versus saying the phrase "Did you see the stop sign?" Like that one word can really have a major impact on people. If you say the phrase "Did you see the stop sign?" because that presupposes that there was a stop sign. So, it, like we were talking about in the episode, like you know they they showed this recreation. So, if you, like of the scene, asking people if they'd seen it, and if you say the phrase like "I don't know how they did it." But I think it could happen where if they say, did you see this scene or something like that, or using any of those words, you can end up causing people to more likely than not say that maybe they've seen it. I'm not saying that's what happened, because otherwise me and Vic will get into it for another hour. But <laughs> No, no, I know studies like that can go on. I, I mean, mean, hell, look at the gorilla with the balls experiment. It's, as, it's yeah. freaking nuts. Or oh, there's a similar one where... Um, Everyone in the room, except for one person, is involved with this or is in the know on the study. Mm -hmm. And then you start filling the room with smoke with everyone else pretending <laughs> that there's not smoke there. And yeah, sometimes people will go, hey, yeah, we all need to get out of here. I don't care what Eve you say. You have all gone insane. Let's get out of here. But mm -hmm. a lot of the times, they'll just act like they don't see the smoke as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Cle oh, I'm not going to mispronounce this patron's name. Cle Cleonide Clyde. 
I'm sorry, 92. I apologize. You know, spell phonetically so I don't have to say it. I'm sorry. Uh, I remember when I was getting my bachelor's in psych in one of the classes we went through, every case study is a witness testimony being unreliable because people have faulty memory. It amazes me that people think that they have perfect, just perfect memory, not including photographic memory, people, because I know that's legit. No, I, I know. We talked a lot about that during the episode and how people, people believe... Like, even if we joke about how, like, oh, we probably have bad memories, like, people can take that really to heart. Um, believe, like, if they, people accuse them of not having a good memory of something. Yeah, I'm not a memory expert, right. but as I understand it, it's less that we're, like, over time, we're less recalling the initial memory and then more recalling recreations of the memory that we have. Right. But even, like, but, like, but even, like, what I said, like, you know, like, we were talking about that. Uh, memory expert that a lot of defense attorneys will call. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. But, like, every prosecution immediately knows what to ask that now. It's like textbook. They'll be like, yeah, but people don't necessarily, people have a good idea of remembering, like, core traumatic memories, right? And then she's like, well, yeah, more likely than, <laughs> than not. And so, you know, and I think that there's some examples that we talk about. And I think even I think even the Spirited Away example, and I think can be in the moon, because that movie's had a huge impact on a lot of people. Oh, yeah, it's one, one of my of their, favorite yeah, movies. Um, so I, I, you know, some of them, some forms of media, which you take really, really personally, um, I th I think that people can still have some of these memories. So that's why the Mandela effect is so interesting to study. Oh yeah. No, the Mandela effect is fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Oh, I got one. Uh, Selena put, I put a new screensaver on my kid's phone. Hers was absolutely shattered and scraped off all of the, around the edges to where the sticker itself was all curled up. She didn't want me to. She didn't want to tell me, so the glass was wearing off for weeks. Two days after we changed it, she was freaking out because the old broken workout screen projector was back as if it was never replaced. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. There's no way that happened again in two days. That's funny. <laughs> no, love it, love I, it. I like that. I like. It's like that's funny. All right, so uh, let's get into today's episode. Uh, we're gonna do Skinwalker Ranch, which is. You know, it's it's interesting that it, we've gone this long with nev with not talking about Skinwalker Ranch. Like I've I've brought yeah, up, we brought it up here and there, here and there, but never as a like a full episode. And it's one of those beer. It, beer. Oh, beer! Sorry, I was thrown off by the coffee. So we're gonna be we're finished. gonna have coffee and beer together. Yes, the the, the best combination. The best part of waking up is getting caffeinated and hammered at the same time. Yeah, this is like first thing in the morning for yeah, us. This is a good solid 10.30. <laughs> we're continuing with the gumball head, uh, three Floyds. We still have a few cans of that left we want yeah. to finish off. Uh, oh, frick! Hang on. Okay, uh, it's early in the morning. I'm now covered with beer because the thing just exploded all over me. Yeah, Vic is uh, currently doing a party foul. It's gone everywhere. Man, I was looking good today. I'm wearing nice clothes, and now it's covered with beer. Like, oh, and oh. it was like a big explosion too. I would like to say thank you though for opening yours first, so I could see that it was gonna foam over, <laughs> so I could move the beer away from me. So much wasted beer. It's it's a freaking tragedy. You are such a good friend. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Skim. Skim. Yeah, but no. But it's 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 one of the. I mean, really, like it's it's more famous even than like Stull Kansas, which we've done. Oh yeah. You know, or Area Fifty One, which we haven't done, but we've talked. But you know, but we have talked about. But 
So I'm super excited that we're getting to it uh, because, I mean, I brought it up on other podcasts and we've talked about it, but we've never really gotten into it. So if you guys don't know what Skinwalker Ranch is, uh, it's pretty big uh, in the paranormal. I would say it's one of the the major things of our times that people like to talk about. So it's this, it's this ranch in uh, Ballard, Utah. It's about a 500-acre square ranch that uh, is right next to the Ute Indian Reservation. It's like the closest Indian Reservation that it is. And it has a very long paranormal history uh involving it like it used to be lands that both the ute and the navajo both would utilize at certain points there's there you know that they maybe they fought over it i think the i think some of the fighting is like confirmed as much as we confirm anything in history yeah uh over over time various different groups have settled there since then there's whole uh mormons have settled in there in the past you've seen black freemasons that have settled there in the past uh all the way up to, to to the current owner which uh, is Robert Biglow and uh, his shell company called Adamantium Holdings. Which, oh, is Biglow the current owner? Yeah, Biglow's okay. the current. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which by the way, I love that. I love that it's called his company is called Adamantium Holdings, <laughs> like like Vibranium Incorporated. Love it. <laughs> Like a that's a huge Marvel fan if I have ever seen one. It really made me like stop to think. I'm like, wait, is adamantium a real metal? I thought it was fictitious. Uh, it is adamantite, which yeah. I think was the where they got adamantium right. from. Is a I think a mythical metal. Right. Yeah, because that's what the Titans gel cells were supposed right. to be made of. Right. But um, like when you're saying these myths go back quite a long ways, they exist within multiple oral traditions right. in the Navajo and the Ute. And also, supposedly, in the journals of some of the first settlers, they talked about seeing strange lights in the sky. Yeah, this whole area is just rife with different kinds of paranormal phenomena. And everything from UFOs, cryptids, time and space anomalies, strange lights in the sky. You name it, it's, it's there. It's there. So, I, I thought that we could talk for a little bit, because the, 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 the most interesting thing about... Skinwalker Ranch is because of how long that uh, paranormal activity has been reported that's going on there. And all of the people that have, f- like, flocked there to study the paranormal phenomenon that's there. It's very, <laughs> like, every single episode about Skinwalker Ranch is going to be d- something different. Like, there's a whole, like, TV series on right now called The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. It's on the third season. I mean, there's just literally just, it's just, it's just proliferated with different kinds of paranormal phenomena. Actually, are you familiar with like what I would call probably the first time it was, someone was drawn there by the paranormal that we know of? Like the first time? Well, we don't know the person's name. Um, who is, oh God, who's the family? I'm so bad with names. The main family that reported the initial stuff. Okay. So as far as like ownership, like private ownership of it, private ownership goes back to 1934 with Kenneth and Edith Myers. And these people owned skinwalker ranch for about 60 years they owned it from 1934 all the way up to 1994 right before it became like right before george knapp from coast to coast um made it as famous it is as it is today where it's nationally known as a paranormal hotspot like those are the ones that owned it for probably the longest period of time um before they sold it to a guy named tony oh sorry terry sherman who owned it for about two two years a little less than two years before he sold it to bigelow who owns it now yeah, one of the reasons I'm so confused on some of the names is in the book, The Hunt for the Skinwalker, which is the one I read, they use a lot of names to protect other people, so I don't always know their original actual name. But yeah, the first family that kind of, uh, this is shortly after they moved in, and they think this was within the first uh, six months, they're noticing a lot of odd things on their property, 
And eventually the rumor got out. Weird things were going there. And one morning, a um, they saw a van coming down the road. And there was a guy there. He said he was from California, that he heard that there were weird things going on here. And uh, they just kind of laughed him off. And he's like, okay, I, I just want to go into your field, meditate for a few minutes. I'll get out of your hair. And they found this, like, idea so silly and entertaining <laughs> right. that this weirdo from – because they were very much farmers and ranchers. And this weirdo from California drove all the way out here. They're basically like, sure, if you came that far, we go ahead and meditate. And they kind of go to watch him. And um, his son particularly is kind of snickering at him. So he goes over and he starts meditating. And then they notice that there's this strange sound, kind of like a cowbell off in the trees, but they don't use cowbells. Mm -hmm. And then they notice this odd shimmer starting to move from the tree line, (laughs) very similar to the description of a shimmer man. And as he gets close to the guy, if I recall the story correctly, they yell out at him. The guy freaks out and basically grabs a hold of him and won't let go until he gets him back to the van. And that's probably the earliest, like, paranormal formal study it's a very <laughs> informal formal study but the guy was trying something yeah well i mean people have been i mean ever since like then i mean ever since like george Knapp broke like george Knapp is what the guy and if you don't know who that is that's the guy that like like was he's like like our second like most favorite coast to coast guy uh host after art bell and he he was the one that really like started making like skinwalker range as popular it is today People have just been flocking there and just trespassing there for all sorts of reasons, trying oh, yeah. to either do either just to study the paranormal, to have some sort of paranormal experience, to do something, to do some sort of spiritual experience from 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 being out there. Like if you try to go out there today, like all like whenever the new owner purchased it, like whenever they purchased it, they actually like blocked it off. Like you can't get there from a public road. Uh, it's all private roads owned together because it's it's landlocked, and like they put up like barriers and stuff to prevent people from being able to just drive around to be able to get on there. Well, he wants to use it as a tourist trap, doesn't he? Well, yeah, well, it is now. Like, you yeah. can, yeah, you can use it now. Like, the guy, like, Bigelow was not dumb. He, like, he bought, he's the one who trademarked the name Skinwalker Ranch. Like, before that, it was known, it was still known as Sherman Ranch. He's the guy that trademarked it, and you start seeing a bunch of, like, stuff on the Discovery Channel and, uh, you know, the History Channel and all that, uh, and a bunch of merchandise that, that guy, uh, that guy that's being sold because of it. But I mean, but it's a, I mean, it's a real thing. I mean, I've watched several accounts of people interacting with people, local people that have lived near there. And they'll talk about having very strange, but I'm like, especially seeing like strange lights in the sky. That's one of the most popular phenomenon that's, that's out there. Well, the first thing is the National Institute for Discovery Science, which was actually had real scientists and actual real funding. Uh, They were doing an investigation on one of the things they did was they reached out to surrounding properties because they wanted to know how far the strangeness had gone. And the same things reported on Skinwalker Ranch were reported on all surrounding farms and ranches. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's 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 one of the most popular common types of lights that people see near Skinwalker Ranch is, uh, I know, is blue lights, like blue shimmering lights. Like, people seeing that they see these beams of light coming from the, either from the ground up or down, or they'll see blue orbs flying around. On Skinwalker Ranch, which is really, which is really, really interesting. Yeah, like one of the um, first really detailed reports comes from one of the farmers, a farmer that kind of started to break the story. Um, he described his encounter with it as a self-contained orb. Mm-hmm. It looked like something was moving in it, a fluid like water. 
And that was like his first account of being close to one. And he found it very shocking. And when the uh, people from the National Institute of Discovery Science checked it out later, they were theorizing of what could move like that. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, they kind of had to conclude, we don't really have a good answer. But ball lightning, they said, may present something that would look something like that, but should not exist for the amount of time that he viewed it. Or maybe plasma. Yeah, I, I I can't explain away when they talk about ball light, like 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 balls of light. Like de- it depends on how they're describing it and, and kind of what they're seeing. But like beams of light that that kind of that, that sort of like shoot up. Yeah, I mean one of the things that, that that can be is even on Skinwalker Ranch, one of the things that they do is they do, um, they they dig for natural gas. That's one of the things that's uh, that that's that that part of Utah's is known for. And when you burn gas, which you have to do at time, like one of the things that they have to do, it burns blue, and it will do this weird, like lightsabery effect. Now, that doesn't explain ball light or lights in the sky moving around. Yeah, the the lights like going straight up. I believe those were that was their conclusion. They basically concluded that that wasn't something that they considered paranormal. But no, when, no. Let's let's get a little. If you're okay, can we get in a little bit into uh, the National Institute of Discovery Science? Sure, sure. Now that. That was started by that was that was started by Terry Sherman, the guy who owned it before its current owner. Um, I believe it was a real estate mogul. Like I said the book I had did not use any real names. Sure, it, they were a Las Vegas um, property mogul who brought it bought it from the original family mm-hmm. with the institu- or with the um, thought of we're going to use this for a actual formal study scientifically into the paranormal. I was wrong. I was wrong. I just I just clarified it while we were talking. It was Bigelow that found it. Okay, I, I thought it was Bigelow. But I that's apologize. Why it's confused me. For I so clarified it. I was clarifying it. Uh, my apologies. I was wrong because you when you said that I'm like I gotta look to what to see if I was right. My bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking straight again. <laughs> my bad. But yeah, he and just an idea of like the sort of funding these people had. Um, the other actually remarked at one point that. They had a call from one of the ranchers working there saying something strange had happened. And they were immediately on a private jet taking them out to that area. And they were thinking about how most people investigating the paranormal don't only not have a scientific team to back them, but also often don't have the money to like rent a van for the weekend, let alone have a private jet ferry them out. But one of their first premises was that they were going to get out to the farm and spend the first few months getting a baseline understanding of anecdotal experience. Basically going out there, seeing what strange happens that they can have as an anecdotal experience, and then also from others. And they thought that this was going to be an easy goal. This was a give me. This is something that they thought would certainly occur very quickly, like within three months. Mm -hmm. But what they found out was... It is not that consistent. They could not make any working pattern for the strange anomalies that were occurring there because they were so disparate from each other, they couldn't make connecting data points. Well, that's, I mean, to, I mean, uh, to be fair, though, that's that's pretty common, though, amongst Skinwalker Ranch because there's bazillions of different stories. Like, you're, a lot of, like a lot of times when we do stuff in the paranormal, we, we're often talking about one particular event or we're talking about like one particular phenomenon. But when it comes to Skinwalker Ranch, you're just you just have this plethora of stuff where it's just this it's all gonna seem different. And I think that's one of the things that they've that they ran it that, that NIDS ran into whenever they were doing their research. Yeah, it was very hard for them to 
basically fulfilled their initial premises. Um, they were able to do some studies into like magnetic fields and things like that that had some interesting results. And the lights, one of the first things they did was they looked at other teams that have studied odd light phenomena in a academic sense. And they kind of came to a similar conclusion to them that it's not ball lightning, it's not earth lights, and it's not something that we understand or it's acting outside the way we understand it should work. Because when charting many of these floating balls of light, they're like, well, some of them are within the right color range, other ones are outside, but none of them should last this long or have this level of control or even move in this direction. Another thing that the uh, NIDS team had happen was... uh. Basically, a large light was viewed over this area. When when uh, the farmer that was at the ranch went and investigated, all the bulls that were outside in the pen are crammed into this one trailer. Like, you really should not have bulls crammed into a trailer. Definitely not that many. And they weren't blocked off from each other. For some reason, they were suddenly in the trailer. Um, they ended up eventually breaking out, kicking down the sides of the trailer, and escaping out. But when the NITS team got there... When they started to scan the air, they scanned it for radiation, isotopes, basically anything that they could think to study. They found that the nearby fence was highly magnetized, and the decay rate of the magnetism was incredibly high. So it was very magnetic when they got there, and they got there a few hours after this supposedly had occurred, but it was decaying incredibly quickly, like almost bizarrely quickly. Well, I mean... That's one of the things about Skinwalker Ranch too. Is the, though you'll, well, I don't know if you just do as NIDS, but I think like other like investigations that have been out there have found there to be radioactive materials that have been found like in like in some of the soil because they've done radioactive. I mean, they've done nuclear tests near Skinwalker Ranch. But in that area, they found no radioactive material. Well, yeah, maybe at the time, but also I mean, depending on whenever they were. Well, I guess they were looking at 2016, but or now 96. So I so it is it, that is pretty interesting. For what, the, for what caused that? It's very odd. And, like, uh, the color of the lights can sometimes mean different things. Um, blue seems to tend that something's going to be moved. Yellow is often just seen kind of zipping. And red usually associates with the death of an animal, mm-hmm. which they've had several, oh, several yeah. there. Well, that was the reason why he purchased it. And that was one of the reasons about why he purchased it in the first place. It wasn't even just due to the, the light phenomenon. It was, like, the... the the hundreds of cow mutilation stories that have perpetrated that have that have popped up all all over that area. There's a lot of people that have reported the very sort of like uh, chupacabra sort of crypto where there's this bipedal creature with red glowing eyes that moves really quickly. That's seen harassing cattle in the area. People have taken pot shots at it, and it's like oh, impervious yeah. to bullets. At like a hundred yards. Well, first it's generally uh, the first account I know of it was the family living there. They saw up on the hill what looked like a wolf, just a dark wolf, very, very uh, large. And they were joking around about it because it didn't seem hostile. It looked like it was just mm-hmm. acting like a dog, just sitting there watching them. And they were even joking about maybe we could keep it as a dog because a dog that big is going to scare off anyone trying to sneak into the farm. And then it makes a beeline for one of their calves, grabs it, and starts dragging it. Um... Uh, initially, he, uh, he, the farmer's coming up, kicking it point blank, can't break this thing's grip at all. Says, go get my magnum. At this point, it's about, I think, 100 yards away, and he's hitting it, like just pegging it with magnum shots, doing 
literally nothing to the thing. And he basically even sends him for an even bigger gun. I can't remember what it was. And still, I think at 300 yards now, still couldn't do anything to it. And eventually, it just left. They just could not fell this thing with bullets. They couldn't do anything to it. That's so intense. I, and this thing is sighted fairly consistently. Like, no, okay, yeah, maybe no. not consistently, no, but on and off. No, throughout. I would say consistently because I was I was watching uh, I was watching one of the uh, a new YouTube documentary that was about it. That was this uh, man and his wife. They were they were interviewing locals in the area, and one of these guys who owned a uh, like a flavor ice truck was talking about how it's pretty. Like he lives in, a, in an adjacent property, and he talks about that it's very common for them to see, like glowing eyes out in the distance and that's just part of just living in the area he was talking about that it's just commonplace he said what you do is you don't show any sort of fear to this thing at all because that feeds its power uh to 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 show any fear to it um but they they know when they see that it's out there he was talking about how they had built they went over to a local high school and that was renovating and got a bunch of boards and made a fence, like a fence for their property that went all the way around. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the undersides of high school gymnasium boards, but there's a bunch of gum under it. <laughs> so they were, they were posting it up, and they said that uh, whenever they went to sleep, when they went back the next day, all of the gum was gone, like across this huge, massive fence line. Like all of the gum was just, had just had come, someone had come and just scraped it off, and they didn't do it, and it's a very time-consuming thing. And they found a bunch of these weird three claw toed footprints all over the property area. And there were scratch marks like, 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 uh, like, like with three claws all over their, their fence. And he was showing like some of the places where it happened. Speaking of three toed entities that can violate space and time. Also the big hairy man is commonly sighted within that area. And is part of the local folkloric motif. I believe uh, Bigfoot's name in that area traditionally translates more akin to the old man in the mountain or the husband of nature, but there were also fairly common Bigfoot sightings within the area. And even like some of the um, local Indian tribes that was um, questioned about what's going on there. And so, so they'll probably say, or they'll, they would often say, well, yes, there's Bigfoot and there's skinwalkers and telling the difference is going to be hard, but both are out there. Oh yeah, I one hundred percent, one hundred percent believe. Yeah, that. one of them basically just said, "You're going to have to look at the way they act." <laughs> to, be able to, 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 to tell the to tell the difference yeah, between like, the two. If they're just walking around, looking around, and then wandering back up into the mountain, yes, and there's the old man of the mountain. If it's stalking you, it's probably a skinwalker. <laughs> like, do you really want? Do you want to get into why is this such a paranormal hotspot? I do because I really enjoy. The um, conclusion the NIDS team ended up at. Yeah, because, I mean, a 500-acre area, I mean, it's, it's a big area, don't get me wrong, but I, I can't think of something else that's that big that has just this plethora of paranormal phenomenon associated with it. Like, not, not a lot. There's not. I mean, there are some that are out there, but, like... Do you care if I strike first? Sure, go ahead. Okay. When they sat down to try to compile their information, they realized quickly they cannot do a scientific study on this and come to a scientific conclusion because they were only able to leave with anecdotal evidence and nothing that could be recreated or peer-reviewed. So they had to somewhat give up on that because the nature of how scientific discourse goes, you can't really just use anecdotal evidence in non-recreatable things. It's just you it, that wouldn't make for a legitimate scientific study. 
But what they did do is they looked back at the anecdotal data they did have and tried to pull out data points. So even though if they couldn't make a scientific statement, they could say, we've discovered a trend. Well, going back through it, they their physicists pointed out, it seems that a lot of the things here are violating general space-time law and often seem to be creating portals. And then they kind of built their theory, quote, big air quotes theory, um, from there, being that, do you know, uh, in science, the multiverse theory is becoming dramatically more and more accepted by physics. Yeah. It's muchly because we have a problem that science cannot explain, and multiverse kind of explains it the best way. The issue is, we know there's a ton of dark matter, ton of dark matter, way more dark matter than there is matter. We can tell that it's effect on our visible universe. But... We can't find it. We It does not seem to be physically present, but we know it's somewhere there because we can see the effects of it. When coming up with where is it then, that's when they start to build into this idea that it is in a nearby universe that is having an effect on us, but is not our universe. And I would love to go into the physics with you guys on this, but to tell you the, to tell you the truth, I looked at it and it went fairly well over my head. But the conclusion was that we are connected through some means to somewhere between, I think they said, 9 and 32 other dimensions that can affect us, but we cannot directly perceive or interact with as things are now, was the conclusion that the physicist was explaining to me. Their thought was, since so often there are portals, and then things coming through the portals, that are then doing things that do not obey our understanding of the laws of physics, they believe that this was an area that, for one reason or another, had connections to these other universes, these multiverses. Um, one of the interesting things, there's a few times when chasing yellow lights, where people got close enough to get a good look at it. And what they said they could see was a landscape that looked different in the light. That when you looked into it, you could see a world that was similar to ours, but looked different. A different time, different um, day. It might be night and you're seeing it well, on the other side that it's day. Things along those lines. So I thought that this was a very interesting conclusion. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense with things not following our general laws of reality. Like, normally something made of flesh that we understand that you pop filled with bullets is going to get riddled. It's going to have organ damage, and it's going to die. But if in it's in a universe where things are notably denser, or that kinetic energy doesn't work the same, and for some reason it can carry those rules over, because we don't know what would happen if something from another universe came through, that would be a possibility. That would be a working hypothesis, at least. Um, it was just a very crazy ride, and I thought that was the most interesting part. And one of the things they said was, that might be why we're seeing such a variety of, that either things are coming through intentionally or unintentionally into this area, and it's kind of causing a bit of a warp. Well, I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna I'm gonna take another angle for this because I don't know some of the stuff that I see with with Bigelow makes me concerned with the, some of the stuff that I've seen. I mean, the guy reports being a huge fan of the paranormal that he's always been a fan of the paranormal. Oh yeah. That's why he funded know. the project. Right. He wanted uh, a actual scientist to study it. But hang on. But he himself is not, but 
that, but he himself is also funding a lot of this stuff. But yeah. not only is Bigelow a huge fan of the paranormal, a lot of other people are also huge fans of the paranormal. And you, and he trademarks the name Skinwalker Ranch. So, I mean, I think the guys... Uh, I don't think the current owner is... Is Bigelow the... 2016? Oh, okay. Yeah, he sold... Yeah, he uh, he's, he's, the, he's the current owner for it. Okay, so for some reason I'm saying that he had sold it to Brand, someone sorry, else. Sorry, Brandon Fugel, is a, who's also... Who's a real estate tycoon... Owns the ranch now. Sorry, he's yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay, because I was, I was going to say similar. Bigelow. Sorry. I didn't think yeah. Bigelow was the one that sorry. was doing the like very um, like uh, tourist stop stuff. You know, well he well he part well he purchased it himself yeah. too. But I yeah. mean he's he's a rich guy. You don't get you don't become rich without in, in some way, shape, or form knowing how to make and like thinking something might make you money. But yeah, that's true of like everyone who funds science, though. Right. Well, I mean the thing was was he 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 buys it. He, he he feels it, and they and all of the stuff that they get is is anecdotal information. Truthfully, yeah. what he could be doing is he could be hyping this up to sell it to somebody else. I mean, possibly like yeah. what he does, like with Brandon Fool. And the thing is, is that's the problem that you run into the paranormal a lot of times. You end up with this anecdotal information, and it you can't refute it. It's like how many times have we been talking back and forth, and we throw out our cool theories, and we're like, well, we really can't like contradict each other at all. And you and you know and the newest guy trademarks the name Skinwalker Ranch, sells it to the History Channel, you know, and they have a huge series on it now that puts it on coffee mugs, bumper stickers. Now I'm not saying that I don't believe that there's paranormal phenomenon that's out there, but what I do believe in is I do believe in snakes in the grass out there that would take advantage of people and their love for things to make money. I'm not saying paranormal, but like, but I think that they, that they would. One thing I'd throw out though is why hire such good solid scientists in such a wide array there are many scientists that would so that would sell that would sell out for money and there have been yeah scientists but that sell out for money these don't seem the sort these are people who are legitimately interested in fringe work within their fields like I'm, these are these are scientists who actually do right. scientific work i'm sure that they, and i'm sure that they do but again you run into you run into issues where maybe you realize that they're not going to be able to prove anything well so, I, yeah, yeah I, you, oh, I, I i could you, believe that he would come yeah. to the conclusion beforehand yeah. that I can fund all this. Yeah. And they are going to go there and they're just going to get anecdotal yeah. data. They're, they're just not going to be able they'll, to actually they'll, come they'll, up with yeah, a decision. They'll, they'll, they'll do whatever he pays them to do to study. And then he comes back and then you're like, oh, oh we no, have all no, this no, phenomenon. They didn't report to him. They reported to a board that addressed just the data. Yeah, and that, that's why they ended up being pulled off Skinwalker There's a lot Ranch. of advisory boards that are just volunteers that just show I'm on boards that show up, and I don't do anything other than listen to the people for what they say. Yeah, but this was a board that was just to determine the viability of data. I, would, I, I don't know the names of the people involved, right. but I'm assuming they're people that know data analysis. Right, but, uh, but, you can, but they could also just... But again, we're assuming they could just be, they could just as much. I be, mean, sure, possible. I, right. I don't have the names of them. Right. Now, but what I'm. But couldn't they done the, have done this a lot cheaper just by having like fairly well known paranormal investigators? And that would have been much cheaper. No, not necessarily. Not, necess not necessarily. Because, I mean, it's become a multi million dollar uh, like entertainment industry from, like, from what they've made it into. I would almost wonder, because they were using, like, private jets and stuff. I would even wonder if he's... Well, I probably with I, the TV show. Probably with the TV I, show he's made it back. I trust locals. I trust local people that have reported... The people that have been out there that have reported seeing that they see that they see things. I believe a lot of the people that have been out there that have reported some of their first-hand data. But I don't think just because he makes this... A sh just because a shell company or a group of scientists that another million, you know, tycoon makes... 
necessarily is going to, I don't know, it could just be fluff. I mean, I'm with you. I, I might not I mean, trust, the guy, trust the guy on the top, but, but the boots on the ground people, the scientists seem to have made a legitimate, earnest effort to scientifically study. There's a reason why people call things shell companies. <laughs> like, I mean... But I mean, but that's the the guy who sold it to the guy. Now he had a shell company when he was doing this. So, but like, I can't throw any salt on the scientific investigators. They seem like they legitimately but, did their hardest. Like they, like the methods that they used were methods that one would expect to use if trying to debunk. And they used a ton of stuff. Like they had they had some of the most state of the art equipment. And interestingly enough, it was pointed out that that might have been their downfall. So do magicians. I'm just well, going to say that sometimes they're at the forefront of a lot of tech. I mean, just because just they have a lot of fancy tech doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be good. Now, that being said, I want to make sure I want to make sure that I'm being clear. I 100% believe a lot of the people that have, that have like, some of the the local stories that I see, the history that comes with it of reports for what people. But I do think that it is quite possible for some snakes in the grass to come in, hype some stuff up, and then what happens is is you lose some of these really interesting true accounts from some other people um, from this. You know, that's why, like, you know, whenever the History Channel did stuff on, like, ancient aliens and all this, it, start, it starts muddying the waters for some other, like, accounts of stuff. Because, I mean... I'm just going to go out there and say, I do trust that the scientists were earnest. But I have a caveat. Sure. When discussing with, afterwards, after the project had ended, with a friend in the intelligence agency, mm-hmm. they pointed out... You went about this wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. Sure. When you're a scientist, you get 90% of the information. You say, that's fine. That's good. I got 90% of the information. That's more than we understood before. But he said, mm-hmm. you, the, uh, the problem is you come out from the wrong direction. You should have came out this from an intelligence direction. When we get 90% of the information, we know that that's bad because the last 10% is the most important. The 90%, that's the cheap information. you got to dig and get the good stuff. One of the things he pointed out when reviewing their data was that when they brought in major equipment, that's when things started to fail and said, all these things that you're using run through computers, run through analyzation, all systems that can be easily manipulated. And when you bring in equipment that can't be, that's made internally, the behavior stops. Anything you run through that manipulate equipment will never give you the evidence you're looking for. And said, you should have gone as analog as possible so no one could have messed with your findings because people are messing with it. Because every time they did bring in stuff that was analog where you couldn't mess with it, the uh, all the things just disappeared like smoke. But when they brought in things that would go through their computer, it didn't. No, I went on to see that too. Well, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, we're not too terribly far from, from I mean... We're not too terribly far from Area 51. We're not too terribly far from... You're talking about, like, from, like, aliens? You're talking about, like, from the government? Um, He did not say... He wasn't that specific. I... My reading of it took that he may have been implying the government. Okay. But, like... Well, I mean, I guess you could... I mean, I guess aliens can manipulate the tech, too. But, like, the, you know, the more easy you can manipulate machines, I guess. Yeah, and the researcher said that, although this was an interesting conversation, he didn't buy it. Because why would the government be, you know, spending time to have a red orb go kill a cow where it'd probably be a lot cheaper just to have a sniper in a helicopter kill it? Well, it depends on what, it depends on what sort of technology you're using out there, what sort of aircraft. Oh, and, and fair. I and mean, I'm just, 
basically stating what their view on it was. I mean, like, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, like, like we've seen just, the, first of all, we've 100% seen from a lot of the research that we've done that, first of all, the government doesn't always, the governments don't always do the most um, like ethical. Smart, <laughs> ethical or smart or way efficient. about going, you know, or fi- yeah, efficient ways of going about doing things. So, no, I don't, th- I, you know, I, I think that, they, I think that you could, you know, if you have something that's more manipulatable and you're having this space, you know, aircraft technology or just advanced tech that whatever that they're working on that, yeah, it makes it easily. But more in a way, you, you are establishing the point that the guy from the intelligence agency was making. You have to stop just looking at it through the lens of science. You have to stop just looking at what is the most effective way. They didn't do the effective way. Clearly not. Right. Like he really pushed you. If you ever repeat this, you need to approach it more like how you approach intelligence than the way you approach science. And he said, then he feels you'll get results. But don't you, I'm just, I'm going to be, I want to be honest about something. You don't think that's maybe like a little bit more like, doesn't that sound kind of like a cop out of an answer? Like why you didn't find something was because your, your technology that you had was manipulated by some sort of outside force. As I understand the guy's role was to view the information and then assess like with their professional opinion, what happened and their point was, there is this trend here, that when you're using analog, you're fine. When you're not using analog, you're not. Mm-hmm. So he said that if I was viewing this from an intelligence perspective, that I would conclude that the reason why it's stopping when you're using these things that are very hard to manipulate is because then you could catch it. And that's why he's saying, whenever you come in with these big fancy equipment that you know is pretty much foolproof, everything vanishes is because they know they can't manipulate your data at that point. Well, um, So or, he's just giving his opinion based on the data. Or NIDS can't manipulate their data. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I just... If NIDS is also then creating you know, the... You know, thing. I guess. But, well, no, no. I don't think that really makes sense because it violates, like, any goals they might have because, like, why bring in super expensive equipment when lesser equipment could be equally manipulated? Why have the unmanipulatable... Technology, which is super expensive. Like you're talking, well, I thought you said that they brought that means used a bunch of machinery that could be manipulatable. They often did because when you work right. in science, you're running through there. But they also used stuff that was more analog. Right. And when they'd bring out the analog, then suddenly the phenomenon would stop. Right. You know, because again, like you know, so that but they couldn't use it on this more advanced tech. But they couldn't use this more technology that would be easier for them to prove certain things. No, they, or, they had both there. Right, right. But they only got it off stuff that was analog. They, they only got it off stuff that we said no, was analog. They never got a chance to use stuff that was analog because when they would go to use oh. it, then the phenomenon would stop. To me, that just sounds convenient. But I, I, Yeah, it is very convenient. But I'm going to say it's not because the NIDS team are manipulating it. I would say it's because either the phenomena knows that it's it whatever it's doing is over and then shuts it down. Right. I think that... I th- I think whatever the phenomena is, it is trying not to be understood. Right. No, and I think that there, and I think we have seen stuff like that in the paranormal yeah. where it's trying not to be, where it's actively trying to not be understood. Whether it's supernatural, um, you know, black ops from 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 the government or just from from other agencies. And that's why the guy says you need to approach it from an intelligence standpoint. Right. You but have no, to catch it off guard. And again, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to beat up the paranormal from this phenomenon, but I'm trying to, what I'm just, what I'm critiquing is possible two massive real estate tycoons whose whole, whose whole goal is generally oh, make to bang money. Sure, but uh, my my hill that that I'm choosing right. to to die on is really more. I actually think the NIDS team legitimately did their best to try to scientifically mm. understand it. I, I think that there have been enough 
I think there's been enough government agents that, that you can that it, that it's okay to be suspect of. That being said, I want because I know we're pushing for time here. I I want I want that I there's a lot of stuff in the Forest Skinwalker Ranch that I really think is is really interesting. When you inter, when you interview the locals, you start seeing a lot of the different stories of stuff that's out there. Why do I'm going to answer why do I think there's so many different types of actual paranormal phenomenon that actually is going out there. Um, I I think this is an example in which this is a just another, you know, we talk, we've talked a lot about, um, when we, we talk about nature, like we talked about how there's this huge phenomenon, like, like in the national parks, right? Like when we normally, when you're thinking about that, you're thinking like trees, you're thinking, um, like forests and things like that. Okay. The deserts of Utah, Nevada, and all of that are also a natural nature biome. You know, I think that that's out there. And I think that when we think about that sort of thing where there's a lot more paranormal phenomena that seems to go out there in some of these remote areas, we need to, re- to remember that it's not just luscious trees, green valleys, rivers, and all of that, but it's also some of these arid desert places that are out there that can also be home to a lot of other paranormal phenomena. Why? Because it's a lot harder to be seen out there. You can get some of your privacy that's out there and do whatever you want to do whenever you're out there and there's not as much of this human interaction involvement when it comes to it did you like maybe only get into 10 percent of what you're planning on talking about because we oh, haven't yeah. touched oh, yeah. on no, bottle, no. Ho- bottle hollow oh no yeah we're gonna no we're, we got more in the paranormal we were gonna do stuff we, we, we had done like another topic we we're gonna do but i knew that we were gonna be carrying over to the into the, into the patron section when i get into that i want to talk a lot about bottle hollow yeah yeah like i'm like it's i can't believe we haven't touched on bottle hollow let's do that yeah, yeah, yeah literally first thing in the patron section yeah but my final thoughts on Skinwalker Ranch is I in the takeaway from people is to really when you're thinking about how like magical and supernatural nature is, you cannot just think about it in terms of just trees and 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 forests and things. You have to be thinking about it in terms of large quantities of nature. So that translates to deserts, tundras, the ocean, and, and it's all of these. And when you start remembering it that way, it starts making sense why Skinwalker Ranch might be the way that it is. My takeaway is I I think that it has something to do with time and space. I think that whatever's going on, either data is being manipulated to make it hard to understand or the or more likely the phenomenon itself is intentionally trying to be difficult to understand. It's intentionally being elusive. And that might even be my biggest takeaway from the whole thing. So uh, let us know what you guys think about Skinwalker Ranch. Why do you guys think Skinwalker Ranch is the way that it is? Do you think that it's do you think the government's doing something? Do you think it's just this paranormal hotspot like like Vic was talking about, like where time and space just intersect? There's just some spots. We didn't even really get into it. Do you really think that it was cursed by a Native American? Like by, oh, by Native man, Americans? We didn't get to talk we didn't about even, that. We didn't even get into that, which is a huge belief about a lot of people. That's actually okay, like okay. the Quick number answer. one reason. Quick yeah. answer: probably not. Yeah, like, probably not. Yeah, like that's that. We didn't even really get into the prevailing theory about Damn. why most people think that it's actually. <laughs> I had a whole thing on why it's probably not cursed. We can get, we can, I mean, we can go as long as we want in the Patreon section, but like, so we may get into that. But like, do you do you, do you think that's what it is? Like that because it's called Skinwalker Ranch, like. Do you guys think that's what it is? Um, put those thoughts in the comments below. If you're listening to this, you know, always leave us a like, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, leave us a review. It's great ways to help out the podcast. Thank you for listening to 99 episodes. We can't wait to bring you the hundredth episode. It's going to be a lot. Oh, of fun. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I will not be as antagonistic. I think I ended up being a little more than I wanted to in this particular no, episode. You were but, healthy antagonistic. Well, I mean, but by, by the end, I was also trying to help change perspectives on it, but yeah, yeah. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening.
So during the little break we just had, I went out to check on Ellie, who's finally decided to get up. And the first thing she noticed is how much I reek of beer because I literally spilled half the beer on me during the podcast. <laughs> I am not happy. I'm looking good today. I have a freaking banging t-shirt on. I have a nice pair of pants. I woke up today. I'm like, hey, let's look extra nice. And now you smell like an IPA. <laughs> I smell like a freaking brewery. You smell like a cheap IPA. <laughs> and now I have to like, <laughs> like all my best clothes are like dirty now. Yeah. I don't know why, but today I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to look awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> we, uh, if you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month to get the rest of these awesome podcasts, as well as bonus videos that we put up exclusively for our patrons. If we sign up to be $2 more of a month, you get access to uh, our poll to vote on the theme for our content. So we're not doing that for March, but that's going to return for April. Because uh, in March, again, we're going to do the big episode because we're going to be celebrating 100 episodes of Talking with Shadows. High five, Vic. Bam, boom. Uh, we're going to be celebrating that, but in April, we're going to be adding uh, famous paranormal investigators oh, as yeah. the topic for, and what we can go into with that. I'm really hoping that this is one, because we mapped it out earlier, we yeah. do like an episode just on the work of John Kill, an episode just on Ford, an episode just on Nick Redford. I'm and, not... <laughs> so, and then maybe, maybe we could even get a current up-and-comer. Absolutely. So, uh, if you want to check out, if you want that, make sure that you guys go vote. It's going to be up... About the same time, probably this episode's gonna be going up. I'll make sure that I get that up. I just want to make sure that we had the episode pick, up. Pick that one, guys. I will give all of you a high what? five. Hey, there's some other very good past life. Oh no, like there's some good the iceberg conspiracy. Yeah, the conspiracy iceberg. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I want to do everything on that list, but I'm a little extra excited about this yeah. one. No, the iceberg. I mean, we we haven't done a whole a whole month of the kind of conspiracies. Uh, or the apocalypse, like and all the stuff that we can do with that, and how deep in the folklore we can get, or other, or other crazy apocalypse conspiracies.